The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. It is Thanksgiving, and the theme of Thanksgiving is on our hearts. The theme of thanks is really on our hearts this week. And until we get past Thursday, and all of a sudden, the rush of Christmas begins to settle in, right? I recognize that there's a difference for me anyway, maybe you, of the way that I perceived and approached thanks since I've come to know Christ some 35 years ago. It's hard to remember, but as I was thinking about what it meant to me to be thankful, before I came to know Christ, there's really a vast difference between the thankfulness, the gratitude that I may have had and expressed. I remember the first time that I really was thankful, and that was in boot camp when I wrote my mother a letter thanking her for all the laundry she had done for me all of those years past. Then after I came to know Christ, I recognized that that sense of thankfulness, boy, it took on a new dimension, a new shape, maybe a new standard to that. And this morning we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 15 where Paul admonishes the parallel passage. We read some of that as John led us in Colossians this morning. But follow along with me as I begin in verse 15 and we walk through this and then we're going to come back and talk about some things that I see in this passage as it relates to thanksgiving or having a thankful heart. Paul begins following up after he's talking about the way that we should live our lives as believers, recognizing the, the time, the corruption, sin that's in a fallen world. And then he admonishes us and his readers at the time. He says, look carefully. Look carefully then how you walk or how you live your life. In particular, he's talking to Christians, those who have trusted Christ. It'd be most of us in this room. He says, listen, look carefully at your life. Look carefully at your walk. And not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, not just time in chronological sense. Making the best use of the time, signifying the time in which we live. The time in which we are in. On God's timetable, it's the same timetable that Paul was in at that time because we are in the end times. We have been since the resurrection of Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the birth of the church. And so he says, making best use of the time because the days are evil. I look around today and think how evil the times are, but if you do much study in history, you realize and recognize that the evil that we live in today, that we see around us, is just as much the same as it was in Paul's day. We're in a fallen world. And in light of that, he says, therefore, in verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. And what Paul's drawing out here, the contrast of what is our life going to be controlled by? Here he just uses the sense of being drunk, out of control, 
under the influence of, of wine or any drink. But on the other hand, he says that our lives are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. You could add any number of things in that to use a contrast of how our lives are driven or what they're controlled by. And we all have areas of our life that we are controlled by at times rather than being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Would everybody say amen to that? He says, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, we pray that, Lord, as we look intently at your word this morning, God, that our hearts and ears would be open to the Holy Spirit, what he would speak to each and every one of us individually and corporately, God, that, Lord, we might make the best use of the time. And, Lord, live our lives controlled and geared and driven by the Holy Spirit who you have graciously given to all who've trusted you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And in the last verse, or verse 20, Paul says this. He says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. Now, think about the person who's written this letter, guided by the Holy Spirit, Paul himself. Paul had really learned and, in a sense, had earned the right through his life and what he endured to write these words to us. Give thanks always for everything. Paul understood what it was to like to live in good times and in bad times, persecuted times like we've never seen, and God willing, we may never see. But even in the most undesirable of circumstances, when Paul was writing that great hallmark of joy, the book of Philippians, he's encouraging us to give thanks always. And he says here again, as he repeats, give thanks always. If you remember the story as we went through the book of Acts, when Paul and Silas were imprisoned there, in the midst of all of that, when they're being unjustly imprisoned, they give thanks and they sing songs to God at midnight. He had earned the right to say, give thanks always for everything. I'd alluded to the difference between the thankfulness that I had before I came to know Christ and the thankfulness that I now have. And I recognize that there, in a sense, is a different standard of thanksgiving that we have after we've come to know Christ. Paul begins to outline it in here. And the more that I study and read on this attitude that God calls us to have and enables us to have of thanksgiving, I recognize and realize that this is a uniquely Christian perspective. A uniquely God-wrought perspective, if you will, of giving thanks. Because at the very heart of the word thanksgiving is the idea of grace. And we understand and know what grace means. We say that that is unmerited. It's not something that we can earn. But God graciously gives us all things. And it's by God's grace that we are able to have a thankful heart. You see, by nature, by our sin nature, we are utterly devoid of this idea of the grace of God. It's not until God 
quickens our hearts and draws us and opens our eyes that we might see our need of salvation and God's tremendous gift through His Son Jesus that it's nothing that we deserve and we receive Him, all of a sudden our gratitude seems to go to another level, right? You see, the message of the world is everything that we have, this is the world's perspective, everything that we have, we have because we did what? We earned it. You heard the phrase self-made man. And the world's attitude and idea and our attitude and idea before we came to know Christ is that everything that we attain in life, it's all of our own works, it's all of our own doing, and we fail to recognize that all of us in this room, anything that we have is simply because of God's blessings in our lives. Right? I'm preaching to the choir. It's going to be reminded of this, that all things, as James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And this attitude of thanksgiving that Paul talks about, he's reminding us that when we give thanks to God, when we recognize Him, notice he says in the verse again, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. Just as James had said, every good and perfect gift that we have comes down from the Father. There's nothing that you and I have that we can be grateful and thankful for this week that comes anywhere else except from the Father. Acts chapter 17 says this, God gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The very breath that we breathe is a gift from God. Not earned, not merited. Jesus uses a correlation in Matthew chapter 7 when he talks about our fathers who give us good gifts in relation to what God gives. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Good gifts. Sometimes we have the idea that good gifts only come in or result in happy times. As we understand and know God, everything that comes into our life, whatever the circumstances are, God is in that and He gives without any need of reciprocation. This attitude of thanksgiving really comes from contemplating all that God is in and of Himself. When's the last time that you've taken some time away and just to sit and contemplate, think on, dwell on, Reflect on who God is. His goodness. His holiness. His faithfulness. His loving kindness. His steadfast patience. His magnificence. His glory. All of that. The psalmist writes this. He says, let us consider the steadfast love of the Lord. We take time to pause and just consider God's steadfast love. It doesn't mean to be steadfast. It means He's always constant. It's always there. 
you and I have the idea sometimes that God may withdraw or separate His love from us, oftentimes because of the things we may do or the attitudes we may have or the things that we don't do. But God says, no, my love for you is steadfast. You see, I find oftentimes my love for others is conditional to the time. God's not that way. Aren't you glad God's love for you and me is not conditioned on where we are on any given day? But His love is steadfast. Job says this in his writing, and we know what Job was going through. Job says, hear this, or God says, hear this, O Job. Stop and consider the wondrous works of God. I'd propose to you that this consideration of the wondrous works of God is not a thing that we only do on the week of Thanksgiving. Psalm 81, 3 and 4 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? What David is thinking about when he looks at the vastness of God's creation and that which he can see with the visible eye in the universe and he sees the massive intensity of that. Today we have the fortunate uh, position of being able to see those galaxies through Hubble, right? You've seen the pictures. The vastness of God's power in his creation. And you think, man, in all of that, what am I? That, that God, you'd even consider me. But He does. Isn't that a blessing? That God considers us. It's more than just giving thought to us. Psalmist wrote in Psalm 103, paraphrasing, think about His love. Think about God's goodness. Think about His grace. For as high as the heavens above, so great is the measure of our Father's love. There's a chorus from that too. You see, I would propose to you that the essence of, of true praise and true worship is a consideration and a contemplation of God as we are worshiping Him. You see, sometimes we marginalize worship or the expression of worship based on style and form. God's not, con he, he's, he's not concerned with style and form. In our expression of worship, whether it be through song, whether it be through reading, whether it be through our daily life, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, that our whole being is to be given over to Him in worship. It's in response to who He is. How many times I've come in to a corporate worship time and just gone through the rote methodology of singing songs without ever contemplating the goodness of God. But those times that I contemplate the goodness of God, I find that I reciprocate some sense when I've expressed worship to God in trueness. As Jesus said, the Father seeks. <laughs> Notice he says in this same verse. He says, give thanks for everything to God 
giving thanks always for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you see, when we say Lord Jesus Christ, we're acknowledging His supremacy in His rule and reign in our lives. Have you, like me, sometimes said the Lord Jesus Christ and had no consideration that He is master of, our, of your life? That, that He is the Lord. And so Paul is saying, listen, when we give thanks to God always, it is through the Lord Jesus Christ recognizing Him that He is the rightful Lord. He's rightful owner because He is the one who has paid the price for our salvation by His precious blood that was shed on the cross. Amen? writer in Hebrews says this. He says, Through Him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. You see, it's only through Christ that we're able to approach Him and to give this thanks. And I would propose that apart from Christ, we cannot really give thanks to God. Apart from Christ, Saving us and ruling and reigning in our hearts and our lives as we're disciples of Him. Following Him and being obedient to all that He commanded and making disciples. Apart from that, we really can't give thanks, true thanks and gratitude to God. Notice he says this, give thanks always. Always. Can I be honest with you? I was not giving thanks to Him on Tuesday morning. I'd woken up, I had awakened, which is right, woken up, waking. Tuesday morning to a voicemail that came sometime during the night from a dear friend of mine of almost 20 years, an Ethiopian, who I've traveled with many times in Ethiopia and Sudan and northern Kenya, training well over 2,000 pastors, dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends in all the world. How many of you know that African culture is very different than our culture? So the voicemail that I woke up to Tuesday morning was, Brother John Mark, my wife and I are in the States and we're leaving Florida tomorrow morning and we're going to stay with you and Sandy. Okay. Not how long. Not how many days. You see, that was the first episode in my week that just made my week go in the right field, right? <laughs> I'm going off page here for a second. So, I, Sandy's like most of you ladies. I always say, if you want to come see me, come anytime. If you want to see my house, make an appointment. And I knew what was going through Sandy's mind when I told her just as she woke up. Hey, honey, I got a call from Brahana. Brahana stayed with us many times in, in our home. And uh, Brahana and his wife are going to come and they're going to visit. And she says, when? I said, today. <laughs> and I don't want to put her in a bad light at all. And so she's expressing... 
It wasn't Berhanu that she's ticked off at. It's me, right? Okay? We don't have that games played. And um, so, so, you know, it's honey, when the Lord called us, he, he called us internationally. And she looks at me and she says, don't even go there. <laughs> That's minor. Some of you are going through things that are far more difficult than unannounced visitation. Paul says, give thanks always and for what? Everything. The opposite of giving thanks always is having our hearts and our minds preoccupied sometimes with grumbling and complaining about things in life. Right? I think about that. I, I, I have never known a single grumble and complaint in my life to change any situation. It makes me miserable. It makes everybody else around me miserable. Amen? I don't like being around grumbling people. I'll just be honest with you. I don't like grumbling, complaining, negativity all the time. I don't. I want to tell God sometimes, put your big boy pants on and suck it up, right? Sometimes God has to tell me, J-Mo, put your big pants on, suck it up, and be thankful because I'm in control of your life. You're not. He says, give thanks always in every circumstance. In this, in this passage, and in, in the one that John had had us read, he has, he has a, a, a reason in verse 19 for saying, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. And I think the reason Paul put that there is he knows that when we offer up our our song or expression to God in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs and especially when we do it to one another it causes us to reflect on the goodness and the greatness of God and all of these things go away I was listening this morning in my office preparing my heart and the old hymn came on when I survey the wondrous cross. When's the last time you've surveyed the wondrous cross? It puts life in perspective. He says everything. Let's look quickly of, of the substance that he talks about in this passage. You see, Thanksgiving is not some nebulous, abstract thing that we do. Now, we may have before we came to Christ, but God wrought, if I can use that phrase, Thanksgiving, has substance to it. It's not just a quip, thank you, Lord. It's not, God is great, God is good, let us bless Him for this food. By our hands we are fed, give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen, right? I just dated myself. 
Look again. He, he says in this passage to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in this way, always giving thanks. There's a phrase that's used here in this passage two times, and it's the phrase, one another. And I'm not sure we grasp the whole benefit of the one another that God has called us to in the body of Christ. I don't anyway. And he's telling us to admonish the Lord to one another. I love it when I'm in a frustrated time in my life, in weeks and days, etc., and I come into contact with somebody that is expressing their gratitude and their love to God through the Word of God. You see, there's that conversation that God has blessed us with in the body of Christ. And we all have conversation, but I'm afraid I spend more time talking about... By the way, FSU pulled one out yesterday by one point. And how much more beneficial would you be to me and I be to you if our conversation was centered around... You know, this is what the Word said this morning to my heart about the goodness and the greatness of God. You see, I need you and you need me. We need each other in the body of Christ to lift each other up in thanksgiving and praise to God based on the Word of God. Spiritual conversation. The worship. Notice one, one other thing. Giving thanks always, submitting to one another. Here's this phrase again, out of reverence to Christ. God has never intended for believers to live the Christian life apart from one another. That's why we encourage you to get plugged into a Sunday school or any other type of small group. There's that one another. And this all feeds into or fuels this thanksgiving that we have. And then lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention where this comes from. He says, look in verse 18. I'm talking about control again, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's not some mystical kind of thing. And we know we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit until we first have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And if you're in this room this morning and you've trusted Christ and you've been born again, you have been given the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. Bam. You got it. If there's something in my life that I say, you know, I just can't help it. I've always been this way. I am lying to myself and I'm lying to you because it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that He transforms our life into the likeness of Christ. But just because I have been f indwelt by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that I live by the Holy Spirit. You see, there's, right? I know we're Southern Baptists. We don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit much. Now, this is an ouch. Sometimes the reason 
we don't walk according to the Holy Spirit and we're not filled by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis because we don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a daily content. Be filled. Be, keep being filled of the Holy Spirit. And it's not as if we didn't get all of the Holy Spirit. But listen, it's not that I didn't get all of the Holy Spirit. It's that does the Holy Spirit have all of me? Am I being controlled by the Holy Spirit? And it's through the Holy Spirit of God that we're able to give thanks to God in all things. Paul wrote this in a correlating book. And I want to read it from one of the paraphrased translations. And I can't remember which one I had looked at. I think it was the Phillips translation. Because it helps us grasp more what Paul is saying. in this idea of thanks. Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 to 7. Similar thinking, I think, as Paul is writing this. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. You see, joy is not based on circumstance, is it? Let me go through the worst phase, and I have gone through some very horrible things, and you've experienced it as well. That lie is just painful times in life, but in that, and we can understand it, there is the joy of the Lord in the midst of it. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. We can do some parallel between these words, thanksgiving and rejoice. He says it again. In other words, if you didn't get it the first time, let me say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus and isn't that where we need peace most in our hearts and in our minds. What's the thing that keeps you awake at night? What are you worried about happening tomorrow? Jesus said, hey man, don't worry about tomorrow. Life has enough trouble of its own today. Right? Just like grumbling has never changed anything in my life, I've realized that worry has never changed a single outcome in my life. But I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't worry. <laughs> and you do too. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. And honorable. And right. And pure. And lovely. And admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Pray about everything. With what? Thanksgiving, he says. Pray about everything with thanksgiving.
this Thanksgiving. May it go beyond simply the family that we're thankful for, and some of you are not thankful for the family that you've been born into, right? Okay. Just, I mean, I'm not, that's not a critical statement. That's just... Can, can our thankfulness go beyond that He gives us our daily bread every day? And I'm not minimizing these things. They're, they're necessary for life. Can our thankfulness go beyond that, that, that we're, we're not behind in our rent, or some of you may be, though? Can our thankfulness go beyond this great facility that God has blessed us with to worship in? Although I'm not so sure that it that it really adds anything to us as the church. You hear me? We're grateful for it, right? Bless. I was touring Brahanu around the other day, and you can imagine, I've been to Ethiopia a number of times. And most of the places there are thatched roofs. Man, he's... Looking, man, how wonderful I said, honey, this doesn't mean anything. Am I ungrateful? No. I just realized that this means nothing in the grand scope of God's purposes and His kingdom. Can we say amen to that? We got to keep that in perspective. It's been God's blessing, but it doesn't mean anything. It's going to burn up one day like everything else. It will not last for an eternity. But those that God has created in His image, who have been marred by sin and its deceitfulness and their need and salvation, that is what lasts for eternity. So, would it be that my thanksgiving would go beyond all of that and just give God praise and glory that He extended His incredible grace to me so that I might trust and believe in Him and have the hope of everlasting life with Him? Would that gratitude and that thanksgiving compel me even more making wise use of the times? So that I might be about the mission that he's called me and you to. And that is to introduce people to Jesus. Disciple them. So that they can then go and make another disciple. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers. Located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.